Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 261, air date April 18th, 2018. And we are back once again. America's number one Chadcast, Call Me Al, is live with an absolutely incredible guest. Just when you thought that it couldn't get any better, it gets even better. You had no idea that this was coming. We're live tonight with Dr. Shiva Ayadere, the inventor of email, as well as the man running against Elizabeth Warren for the United States Senate. How are you doing tonight, Shiva? I'm doing great, Alan. Thanks for having me on here. It's awesome. So there's so much to get into. Can you give the audience a brief background on yourself? It's an absolutely incredible story. Well, Alan, you know, my journey isn't that different than the American journey, but, you know, my uh, journey went through really three particular phases. One was the process of immigration um, as, a, as a kid growing up in India, uh, legally emigrating here with my parents, and then going through the process of education, you know, as an American kid, an all-American kid playing baseball, uh, you know, running a lawn mowing business, uh, doing a lot of interesting things, which we'll talk about. Um, in the public education system, and then going off to MIT, where I ended up doing four degrees, starting seven different companies, and going through the process of American innovation. So that's sort of the broad journey, and we can talk more detail if you want. I can talk more about you know the experience uh, from India uh, to the uh, immigration experience, but broadly, it's been immigration, education, and innovation. That's pretty cool. Um, you know, you've been on an incredible journey. One of the most awesome things I've seen recently was you were at the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Boston, and it was absolutely incredible. You had a sign there. You had a bus there. We can actually pull up some of the footage. We can actually, because we have the technology to do it, pull up some of the footage from uh, the St. Patrick's Day uh, event. Have you guys, everybody can see this right, right. now. <laughs> Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> Go full screen. Just the, the thing on the right. There we go. Oh, never mind. Shit, it's not working. Oh, well. But uh, yeah, everybody gets the okay, idea. People can go on, on the Twitter feed and they yeah. can look at it. I think the thing that you're referring to, Alan, is, you know, St. Patrick's Day Parade mm-hmm. is the Boston St. Patrick's Day Parade is the second biggest parade, second to New York. It's yeah. quite incredible if you normalize the number of people in Boston versus New York, you could argue it's probably the bigger parade. Um, what's fascinating is Marty Walsh, uh, the mayor of Boston, by the way, he attempted to uh, shut down the free speech rally and try to malign it as a Nazi event, was a guy who tried to also uh, shut down this event. And in fact, he shortened the route, which is typically a four-mile route, much to the chagrin of many of the people in Saudi. He made it a two-mile route. Typically, 250,000 people come out every mile, Alan. And so we had roughly uh, at least a half a million people. We went there, as you saw, if ever, everyone wants, wants to go to Twitter, look up the uh, South Boston St. Patrick's Day Parade. We had our big bus, and literally we put on it, only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian with the Shiva for Senate sign. You know, my picture on one side and Warren on the others. You got to understand, uh, one of our volunteers, Richard, had signed up for this nearly two months before. A few days before, we find out, as we've seen in many of these events, suddenly we get a notice, oh, you guys aren't in the parade. Uh, Anyway, we moved forward. We went uh, to it because one of the organizers was very, very 
uh, supportive of us. When we showed up, another group of pro-Warren organizers, pro-Baker, pro-Marty Walsh, attempted to not let us go into the parade, Alan. Wow. And they they said that we had to cover up the picture of Warren. Yeah. uh, Because, again, calling me a racist. So anyway, we put a white piece of paper on um, and, uh, you know, it was only in the last minute did we know that we were in. When we got in, the response was we were by far the most important and probably the most popular, not the most important, but the most popular part of that parade. There were um, uh, amazing people there. You can see in that video, here's a, a real Indian guy, you know, uh, uh, an, an immigrant who came from uh, India, an all-American guy who's going through there. And you see the response of all of these people high-fying us, supporting us. Every, nearly every policeman supported us and said, thank you so much that you're running. Now, what's even more fascinating, you know, I had a lot of friends watching this NECN, uh, New England C- Cable Network, was the official, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, TV organization broadcasting this. Well, when we went past their cameras, um, the army, there was an army group before us, we were there, and then the pirates. So my friend, John, he says, Shiva, I don't see you. Well, what they did was, Alan, they pointed the camera to the ground when we came by. Wow. That's what I call racism, right? Mm -hmm. This is NECN, which claims that they're a bunch of liberal guys. These are the real racists because the story of Shiva for Senate, the story of our journey goes against all their narratives, which is to try to box, you know, someone like me. Oh, you're supposed to actually be a Democrat and you're supposed to be paying homage to us. Well, that's not what this guy does. So that bothers them. So we get hit with real racism, frankly, from the left uh, consistently. And the so-called you know, establishment right doesn't really like us because we start poking holes into the fact that they're actually in collusion, uh, Republicans and Democrats. So for us, they don't know what to do with this, Alan. It's a great journey because uh, the people that are supporting our campaign, the, the, the core politics of our campaign are so powerful and so they're so strong their only solution is to try to point the camera down right yeah not to give us mainstream media access but it doesn't matter because we have all sorts of alternative media right now we go direct on social media we got channels like you and others where we can go direct so it's a lot of fun they don't know what to do with us alan and and we are winning the hearts and minds of people from the uh the you know the everyday people who quote unquote, registered as Democrats and quote unquote, registered as Republicans. But the Republican and Democratic machinery, party machinery is scared, you know, of us because of the fact that we're essentially coming after them and their entire entire party machinery. Yeah. People have got, can you try and pull that up again? Can we give it a quick 20 seconds? The reason why I want to show this video so bad is because nobody else is covering this and people have got to see this. Like this is absolutely historical. So what we have here is Shiva is at the St. Patrick's Day Parade. This is in downtown Boston. The reason why I have to show this is because it's nothing short of historical. Like, look at this. You got the real Indian versus the fake Indian sign traveling through downtown Boston Saudi, South Boston. South Boston, yeah, more precisely. They're going wild. People are going crazy. And the thing is, nobody else is covering this, you guys. I didn't see this on any outlet around New England. Not one. And this is incredible. This is the most incredible thing I've ever seen on St. Patrick's Day, being totally honest. Look at this. You've got a bus, Shiva, only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. You've got another truck up ahead with a billboard. People are loving it. People are going nuts. He's personally... 
handing out cards. This is this is how you win. Look at the cops are loving it. This is historical. You guys are only getting this on America's number one chatcast and as well as Shiva's Twitter. But that's an absolutely historical video. I loved every second of it. And what's mind blowing about it is, you know, it's still kind of underground. But that video, as it gets out there, it's absolutely incredible, man. It's how fun was that? It was phenomenal, Alan. I mean, you had so many people coming up to us. These are everyday young people, Americans, uh, uh, blacks, whites, Hispanics saying that is a great slogan. You see, the only people who consider that racist are the racists because they want to put people in boxes. They want to let, let racist Elizabeth Warren get away with her racism, which is she lied to get into Harvard, used affirmative action to get in, and then calls people racist when they call her Pocahontas. So that's the racism that they're all about. And the fact that a dark-skinned Indian guy, you know, is out there campaigning and gets this kind of feedback from everyday Americans blows away their BS narratives. So this is, uh, this is like you say, quite historic because they have a serious problem on their hands because they cannot box the real Indian up. That's what they have. And I'm not willing to be a good Indian, sit in the lotus position like some Gandhian guy and just walk away. You know, we have people who are willing to fight and stand up. And that's what this campaign's bringing together. It's bringing together the real camaraderie of Americans. You know, prior, literally a few days before this campaign, I was in Lowell at what we call our real Indian tea parties. People should come to them. And it was a group of Hispanics, pro-Democrat Hispanics. And they said, you know, we're tired of the Democrats. They've done nothing for us. And uh, you get, you remember, uh, you know, a number of people remember free speech rally, right? That again was the same thing. Marty Walsh, Charlie Baker, by the way, at the breakfast prior to the St. Patrick's Day breakfast, you had Charlie Baker taking selfies with Elizabeth Warren. That's the real collusion. That's hilarious. And they were annoyed that I even was there at the breakfast. Wow. That is absolutely incredible, man. Uh, that, the free speech rally was pretty wild. There was 40,000 people protesting. But I've personally talked to people that were protesting, and they said, wow, what were we protesting? That was pretty silly. Um, luckily, a lot of them have seen uh, the error in their ways and uh, a bit of their silliness. There's so many things I want to get into. One thing I really want to get into is a, one thing you're an expert on is the concept of a GMO. Uh, like what exactly is it? Cause there's this big debate about, you know, what is a GMO? Like if you modify your crops at all, technically you're genetically modifying, or is it this weird, uh, thing where they take DNA from another organism and put it inside another organism and then they have this new thing? Like what, what can you tell us about GMOs? Yeah, it's a good question. So, um, there's a video we have, but I'll try to explain it really simply. You see the word GMO is actually an acronym to be specific for genetically engineered foods. So if I were to write the word genetically engineered foods and I put left parentheses GMO, that's the original uh, terminology that came from Europe. Now, when it came to America, that terminology, the, the very insidious scientists who work with the media, they subverted the term GMO, Alan, to mean all types of genetic modification. Look, in nature, you know, over millennia, genetic modification takes place, right? Through what we call, uh, for example, breeding. For example, the Incans crossbred corn, right? Or people crossbred cattle. Well, you could argue that's quote unquote genetically modified. That's not what we're talking about. We're when we say genetically engineered foods or GMO, we're being very specific 
we're talking about in a test tube or in a petri dish taking a gene from one organism for example a bacteria and shoving it into another organism like a fish right which would never occur in nature right mm -hmm. uh, a fish doesn't have sex with a bacteria or a fish doesn't have sex with a tomato right yeah. so that's what we're talking about right asexual engineering sexual for example you know uh, uh two cows mate that's full sexual reproduction okay you could argue that's quote unquote genetically modified but that's not what we're talking about so we're talking about to be specific taking the gene for example the gene from one organism which has a certain trait and putting it into another gene of let's say a fish okay two organisms that would never mate just to be clear on that that is what genetically engineered food is or for for that matter genetically modified organisms all right now here's the interesting thing if we want to delve a little bit deeper how does a genetically engineered food or a gmo get out to the public so for example if you go to whole foods let's say you see a gmo blueberry right well how did it get out there right uh, well what you'll find is as you delve deeper into this the fda frankly has a hands off approach and it is all based on self reporting literally alan you and i could start a company tomorrow to say we want to produce our own version of a genetically uh, engineered blueberry well what do we do well we make our own version of the blueberry and all we have to do in fact we don't have to do this we would do perfunctory wise you know some tests in our back room to show that that genetically engineered blueberry is substantially equivalent to an organic blueberry okay and what do i mean by quote unquote substantially equivalent that means you and i say you know what let's choose criteria the amount of water content how blue it is the amount of i don't know uh uh anthocyanins it has you know these chemicals we say oh they're about 20% and all we do is we simply inform the fda hey we've done some testing and they're about equivalent the FDA simply issues a safety consultation letter saying thank you very much Alan and Shiva that you've done this testing and then we get to put it out there this is what a lot of people know there is no government oversight and this policy of letting this loosey goosey thing with self reporting go out was done by a guy called Michael Taylor who was appointed by Obama to be the deputy director of the FDA well where did Michael Taylor come from well Michael Taylor was a former head of science policy at Monsanto. That is what Obama did. It gets even more interesting. You know, there's an act now called the Monsanto Protection Act. What that means, Alan, is let's say uh, a lawsuit is filed against Monsanto, for example, and the a, a judge rules, yes, this genetically engineered food or their pesticides are harmful to your health, and they and they issue an injunction so Monsanto cannot distribute that. The executive branch, the USDA can overrule a judge. Remember separation of powers, executive branch, judicial branch can overrule and overrule the federal judge's injunction. That is what Elizabeth Warren voted for, the Monsanto Protection Act. So what you're talking about is for me, you act, you, you know, why is this important to me, Alan? Why should this be important to everyone? Look, I grew up in India, you know, when I, you know, I grew up in a not only in Bombay, but I grew up in a small village. Look, I come from indigenous people. My grandparents, my great grandfather, I remember well, my grandmother had tattoos all over her arms. You know, she was a village healer. She studied from ancient yogis. 
and they lived in a small, poor village, and they believed in living in resonance with nature, local farmers, and they had all sorts of amazing technologies like the Native Americans and how to farm and how to produce amazing crops that didn't need all these kinds of harsh pesticides. That too is technology. Well, the deep state, the military industrial academic complex, which is the one that funded Monsanto, by the way, Monsanto's pesticides were created to destroy the foliage of the Vietnamese when we attacked them. That same technology got reused to create uh, poisons and herbicides to, for factory farms. So what you're seeing is Elizabeth Warren, what's disgusting about this person and disgusting about what she represents is here's a person who appropriates Native American heritage identity, which is really uh, a shoplifting identity, total lack of integrity to get access. And then she votes for the Monsanto Protection Act, which is one of the most evil companies, which is destroying the soil of our country, many countries, as well as indigenous cultures. And so that's why this is, is not only deeply personal to me, but it should be deeply personal to everyone out there. Because what we have right now is the deep state, 70 to 80% of Americans recognize this exists. You know, Donald Trump did a very, very good thing making this, uh, you know, a household term in many ways, which people acknowledge exists. And that is a military industrial academic complex. And Elizabeth Warren, the Republicans and Democrats are the face of the deep state. And the center of the deep state is Harvard University. Wow. It's the epicenter of it. They're tax free, right? They're not getting taxed, something like that. Well, well, you know, uh, you know, we're the ones who start hitting. Now they've imposed a small tax on them. Yeah. But Harvard University, if you really think about it, is a fake university. And I say this not uh, to be funny about it. If anyone reads their balance sheet, if anyone actually goes through their finances, about one to two billion dollars of their operations budget is for paying their professors, the academics, et cetera. But if you actually look at it, they have a $40 billion hedge fund. What is a hedge fund, Alan? And, and you know, uh, a lot of these things people don't understand. Uh, again, using you and I as an example, Alan, you and I could say, hey, we're going to start a hedge fund today, a Wall Street hedge fund. We go to high net worth investors who give us their money. And what do we do with that money? You know, technically, you and I know what the market is doing, and we take their money and, and we invested in real estate. We invested in South African diamonds, right? We invested on Wall Street. And so let's say we take a billion dollars from the investors and we make $2 billion, okay, in profit. Well, by the rules, you, you return 80% of the profit back. So we'd return back $1.6 billion and we get to keep 20%, which is around 400 million. You follow? It's a hedge fund model. Well, that's what Harvard University does. They've built their hedge fund to $40 billion. Well, where do they get their input? Well, they get input from donors. They get input from tuition. They go raise money. Um, uh, several years ago, they paid six of their hedge fund managers $58 million. Wow. It gets even more interesting. 30% of Harvard's admissions or more are legacy admissions. That means if mama and papa for dumb Johnny gave a lot of money, dumb Johnny gets into Harvard. All right. That's how Harvard University is constructed. It's a Wall Street hedge fund, and that's what pays Elizabeth Warren's salary. And isn't it incredible that she has never said anything against Harvard? Wow. You're talking about a fake fighter, a fake Indian, um, and that's what she really is. You have a, a long history of fighting corruption. One of my favorite stories about you is when uh, you traveled back to India on your Fulbright, and you discovered uh, some corruption within their uh, science uh, you know, the science department of their government and you had to escape there. 
uh, in, in kind of a sticky situation. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, Alan, look, one of the things is, you know, uh, money has never motivated me. What has motivated me is a deep, deep uh, dislike for injustice, you know, and I'm willing to put my life on the line for it. You know, I did it as a, uh, you know, I grew up, a, a, you know, as, as some of you know, as a low caste Indian, India has this caste system. So I've always had to understand why these systems of injustice existed. There's a picture of me, um, you know, if, if you guys go look on the website, Shiva for Senate, we're uh, making sure more food service workers at MIT got treated better, right? Uh, making sure more poor whites and poor blacks got into MIT, burning the South African flag on the steps of MIT because MIT was supporting South African apartheid. So that's been part of my journey. As, as you just brought up in 2007, after I finished my PhD, I had this huge opportunity to take a little break, go back to India and really study traditional indigenous systems of medicine, which is called Siddha. And, you know, it was a year-long uh, project. I made it some significant discoveries. When I was getting ready to leave India, uh, the director general of India's number one scientific institution, which employs around 4,000 people, it's the oldest institution for science in India, said, hey, why are you going back to India? Why don't you spend a little time here? You've started seven companies. You got four degrees from MIT. Why don't you give some ba something back to your motherland and help us get our innovation act together? Because in 70 years, this institution hasn't produced any great innovations. And they were under a lot of scrutiny by the public. So I said, hey, this is a great opportunity to give back to my grandparents who gave me so much. And I decided to stay in India uh, for a period of time. And what's interesting, Alan, is the position I got was what's called an additional secretary in the Indian government. It's like getting a deputy director post in the cabinet. Huge bungalow in Delhi. If you've been to Delhi, you know, it's, it's incredible. You get a, a bungalow on a seven acre plot, right? Wow. Uh, you, you get your couple cars, you're treated like royalty. Wow. And I was two levels below the prime minister of India. That's a senior level of position. My father-in-law at the time said, Shiva, you will never get a position like this. I had to wait until 60 to get this. Anyway, that's not what motivated me. I was like, wow, let me help these people. So I took on the position within three months, I put together a plan to unleash innovation across India, across these 37 national labs. And what I started recognizing, Alan, these guys did not really want me to do anything. They wanted me to sit there like a nice MIT puppet so they could use me to the public, but they didn't want me to do anything. My father-in-law said, Shiva, shut your mouth, be quiet, and one day you'll become the Minister of Science and Technology of India. But Alan, that's not me. So what I ended up doing was I noticed that there were these amazing scientists within that infrastructure, all of them who were suppressed by this corrupt bureaucratic infrastructure, remnants of British colonialism, you know, but run by Indians. So anyway, I ended up, I wrote a report on Diwali night, by the way, Diwali is called the Festival of Lights. And I released it and the report basically said, here, what I've seen, amazing scientists in India, they're subjugated uh, by the establishment. And the report went viral. In fact, it got released to the press. Within three hours, my email was shut down. I was uh, 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 evicted from my home. My, my dear mom came up and she said, Shiva, you fight. So anyway, I uh, ended up doing this big interview on primetime Indian TV. My father-in-law said, they're going to arrest you and you don't want to be in Indian jails. So I took a 36-hour train ride to the uh, border of Nepal, crossed by foot, um, and then took a flight from there to Kathmandu, Kathmandu to Qatar, Qatar to London and home. It was a grueling flight got home. And when I got home, the editor of Nature, Nature is one of the most important science magazines in the world of India. And India said, 
Dr. Ayaduray, we've been watching this institution. We're so happy that you spoke up. Could you write a commentary? Which is, by the way, a very big, big deal to do that. I wrote it and I basically said, look, I got all this data, let's talk. Um, the editor of Nature was threatened. Her life was threatened by the Prime Minister of India's office. They pulled down the article, Alan, wow. and, but the article went viral. But that's sort of the thing that I've gone through. You know? So for me, when you look at Monsanto, people said, oh, don't say stuff against Monsanto. Monsanto they're going to come after you. When the facts about who invented email come out, people said, oh, Raytheon's going to come after you. And now the issue is the swamp uh, is going to come after us. Well, the reality is these people do not understand the power of you and I to organize together to build a movement. And that's what it's about. And I just hope to be a small inspiration to do that, Alan, because people do need to fight. Nothing is given to us because the deep state and the establishment wants to cons consistently distract us, divert us, you know, give us all sorts of other things so we don't do what needs to be done. That's absolutely incredible. That's like a movie, man. That's like a movie uh, times 10. The Shiva documentary is going to be incredible. I mean, uh, wow. Uh, you also have another institution. I mean, you have this company called Cytosolve, and you also have uh, the Systems Health Institution, and which I'm a huge fan of because it blends East and West medicine, a little bit of both. You run a class where essentially the doctors uh, think the yogis are idiots. And then the yogis think the doctors are idiots. And it's like, uh, what systems health do does, it kind of blends both those worlds together. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so, so one of the things here, Helen is let's just step back. You use the word systems, right? Yeah. We live in a very incredible time right now in human history. Well, think about it. You go back to primitive hunter gatherer societies. The systems are very simple, right? Um, if you want to think about systems like this, there's two kinds of systems. You can have simple systems, you know, with a few set of parts, you know, and very complex systems. Think about a, a bicycle, very simple system relatively compared to the space shuttle engine, right? Millions of parts. You get the idea? Mm -hmm. Or a simple village compared to a modern city, right? Those are simple systems, complex systems. But then you have another gradation called loosely coupled and tightly coupled. What I mean by that is a system where you could have a simple system where the parts really don't talk to each other. So if something happens to one part, it doesn't really damage the whole system. And you could have a very complex system, which is tightly coupled, right? Lots of parts. And that's the world that we've created. We've created now a world which is a very complex system, tightly coupled. So you do one little thing over here, itsy weeny th teeny thing, like, you know, uh, change a genetic modification of soy, and it's going to affect health over here, right? So this is the core understanding of systems. 90% of these politicians, have they're nincompoops. They're, most of them are idiots. They don't know math. They don't know science. They don't know physics. They don't know systems. And yet the problems of today are complex problems. And without an engineering systems approach, without people who think creatively, we're never going to solve these problems. So the, the understanding of systems is critical to this. There's a book people can get called Systems and Revolution. What I'm doing as a public service is every Sundays at 2, Alan, at 701 Concord Avenue at our institute, for free, we're going to start training people on systems thinking. And the reason I think this is important, Alan, it is so easy to get bamboozled by all sorts of political philosophies, all sorts of philosophies. But if you go down to core engineering theory, how things work, is really no way to sort of um, bamboozle people. So the foundations of the systems health curriculum that I've built literally is a bridge between ancient 
systems of thinking, which are called Siddha, which was a foundation of Indian systems of health and modern Western, Western systems theory. So I literally figured out a bridge between that. And I can explain this to anyone in two hours, Alan. So it's basically imagine uh, 12 years of MIT education distilled down to two years. I've removed all the obfuscation, made it really simple. You see the academics want to charge a lot for classes. They want to obfuscate things. They want to make things very, very nebulous. And I've removed all the BS and distilled it down to the simple criteria, which I almost call the science of everything. If people learn this, they don't need me. They don't need you. They can stand up on their own two feet and they can understand many, many ways uh, of solving problems. So I'll give you an example. Last uh, week, we went to, we we're doing these real Indian chai tea parties, right? We did one in Sharon where a bunch of parents came talking about special needs. I don't know if you know this, uh, years ago, the number of autism cases was one in 2000. You know what it is, right? right? What's that? It's skyrocketing, right? Well, you know what it is now? It's one in 37. Wow. And some people say, oh, it's diagno diagnostic. No. Well, even if you do that, one in 2000 to one in 37. So here are these parents sitting around. The woman would we'll be putting up the video is bawling her eyes that she has her daughter who's 24 now. This woman at two years old was absolutely fine, Alan, mm -hmm. you know, playing peekaboo, you know, very, very aware. Well, the woman got about 60 different vaccinations. Suddenly the woman doesn't speak and now she's completely autistic. Okay. There's a spectrum of autism from one to 10. She's about an eight. And what's more interesting is these parents who work hard full time, they barely get four hours of sleep, right? Because the public health cannot, cannot, does not know how to handle this. And here were 30 people sharing their stories. And, you know, I don't know all the details, but what I can tell you is this is a systems problem. The special needs issue is a public health issue. It's an issue of food. Because if you look at the, the correlation between when glyphosate, which is Roundup produced by Monsanto came out, and there's many curves, and when autism came, it's almost a one-to-one -one curve. So we are living in a world where we have complex systems issues. And the problem is not just doing one thing. So you take gun violence. I'm going to be speaking at Arlington High School tomorrow. Okay, gun violence. Well, one group says, oh, we all have to have our guns, right? Okay, that's, yes, I support the Second Amendment. The other group says, take away assault weapons, right? But these people do not understand that if you really look at gun violence, it's a multidimensional complex issue. On the one hand, you have the fact that the founders of this country put together the framework of the Second Amendment so you and I could protect ourselves from the government. And in my view, that does need to be protected. But the more systemic issues, we've created a very, very violent society, right? You watch these video games, right? They are pretty horrific. We've destroyed the family. So here, a kid is playing video games five to six hours. He doesn't really have parental guidance, no mentors. And on top of it, he's probably on Ritalin, Adderall, or uh, any one of the psychotropic drugs. So I've started looking at the data, Alan. When you start looking at it, it's, it's a very interesting result that emerges, that you're not just going to ban assault weapons. By the way, the banning of assault weapons, uh, automatic weapons, has already been done, right? We don't enforce the laws that are already on the books. So you have politicians. Again, I want to call them basically complete dirtbags in many ways. These people are morons, except for a few. You know, I like Rand Paul. But most of these guys are complete dirtbags. And we need to treat them as dirtbags because they didn't put the time to study anything. They don't really have any skills. So you tell me they're going to solve the gun violence problem. They're going to solve special needs. They're going to solve health problems. They're going to solve nothing. And so when, when a candidate like me comes, Alan, 
I don't need to do this. You know, I'll talk about Cytosolve. I'm doing this because I love this country. I care about indigenous cultures. And that's what we need. We need everyday people who have skills participating in governance. And that's what we want to compel people to do with this movement here. It's a movement. Elizabeth Warren, fake Indian. Charlie Baker, I don't know what the hell he is. Faker Baker, right? <laughs> These people collude. The, the, if you look at the last spending bill, it was the Republicans and Democrats colluded against the people. That's what's going on in this country. If you look at the income inequality exploding, poor whites, are mortality rates are skyrocketing, their level of depression. Yes, poor blacks and minorities are being mistreated, but poor whites in this country are probably one of the most abused populations. And no one is addressing that. The elites in Hollywood and the elites right here where we live do not want to address this issue. And we're, we need to address this issue because you have massive exploitation taking place. You see, it's not only exploitation of people materially, but we're talking about psychological exploitation, Alan. That's what's really going on. The opiate, pro the opiate crisis is a huge problem where I'm from. You know, I've had p friends pass away and things like that. Uh, especially here in Massachusetts, the opiate crisis is a huge problem. Well, they don't want to solve the opiate crisis, Alan. You know, these people, you see, you got to understand these people are, I want to use the word dirtbags. They create issues and they act like they care, you know, crocodile tears, but they make money off issues. None of them really want to solve the opiate crisis. You know, look, there's a guy on our staff, Dr. Kishore, who saw 250,000 patients, had a holistic solution that helped reduce the recidivism rate by nearly 40%, right? Right now, the recidivism rate is 3%. I mean, a 98%. You, you know, all of these rehab, methadone, none of them work. Mitt Romney, another dirt bag, you know, made nearly three quarters of a billion dollars by aggregating methadone clinics and flipping it. For him, it was a monetary, uh, you know, opportunity. That's what these guys are doing. None of them really want to address the issue, but if you really look at the systems issue, it's not just opioid. If you look at when manufacturing jobs went down in America and the correlation between that and opioids, it's one-to-one. -one. But no one wants to address that. They just want to be like the blind men looking at the elephant, right? One guy looks at the tusk and he thinks it's a spear. The other guy looks at the tail. He thinks it's a brush. That's how they treat problems because A, they don't know how to solve problems. B, they're in there to get elected and reelected. So we got to vote all of these dirtbags out, every single one of them. Absolutely. And you recently starred in a documentary to, to backtrack a little bit about GMOs. It's coming out soon or it came out already, right? Yeah, it's, it's a great movie. Uh, you know, the way I got involved was, as you mentioned, you know, my latest, you know, Systems Health is our institute. We're going to make that as a public service, Alan. It's not even worth trying to make money on that because the knowledge is so powerful. We're going to be giving that away shortly. It's a big announcement we're going to be making because I believe every human being needs to know that knowledge because it's, it's going to help them be the light, find their way to know the truth. It's core knowledge. That's Systems Health. But Cytosolve, um, is came out of my research at MIT. Look, I invented email as a 14-year-old kid, invented many things. If email was the electronic version of the inner office mail system, Cytosolve is the electronic version of the human molecular communication system. We literally, with Cytosolve, Alan, we can look at the known science. We're modeling Alzheimer's on the com computer. We're modeling pancreatic cancer. In fact, we discovered a combination drug for pancreatic cancer in a record 11 months and got FDA approval. We're modeling ALS. And we're doing this with, in collaboration with the biggest institutions in the world. But this technology is as or more revolutionary than email. And you can read about it. If you go to the website, you'll see 
the, our slogan is big pharma is a, is a disease where the cure. But Cytosol was a technology that I used to show that genetically engineered soy is soy. not equivalent to organic soy. It's not equivalent at all. We showed it at the molecular systems level. We published a series of five papers. We exposed uh, a, a scientist, a, a number of scientists who were in collusion with Monsanto. Well, anyway, that background research got well known throughout the community of people into organic food. Uh, several years ago, about two years ago, uh, uh, Keely Brosnan, uh, who is the wife of Pierce Brosnan, uh, some of you may know Pierce Brosnan is a as a real actor, he's not a celebrity. You know, in Hollywood, there are two kinds of people, celebrities, insecure celebrities, and then there are real actors. Pierce is a real actor, uh, you know, 007, but he's done great movies. He always prides himself on being a working actor. Well, Pierce uh, gave his own money and he produced a film called Poisoning Paradise. And Keeley was a director. She's done a lot of documentaries. Uh, Pierce and Keeley also live on the island of Kauai. Uh, I've been to that island, you know, probably 10 times. The western part of that island was used by the biggest biotech companies for testing during Vietnam. They basically used the indigenous population, Alan. Oh, those Hawaiians, we can, you know, give them poison. So they, remember, the, the Hawaiian uh, foliage is very much like uh, the rich uh, foliage of Vietnam. So they used to use it for uh, Agent Orange testing. By the way, Agent Orange is what hurts our veterans. Many of our veterans still aren't treated properly from that. But that has become a literally a bot, open field bio test lab. Okay, basically they test all the herbicides there on these people. All sorts of diseases people have incurred. Achille and Pierce, who love uh, their island, they have a home there. They decided to really give back, and they did this movie. So when they heard about my research, they asked me, uh, you know, to do a, a, a small piece of the documentary. Uh, but they loved it so much. Um, they asked me, essentially, I'm the main scientist, and Achilles says, Shiva, you're the star of the movie. Everyone's got to see it. It's called Poisoning Paradise. It's won 11 film awards right now. Wow. And uh, it's a compelling movie because you learn what is it. I mean, I, I do a lot of the education in the movie. We have a lot of great scientists. But um, the bottom line is one of the important statements I make in that movie is that we need to build a movement and all change has always come through movements, not from any of these political parties. And, you know, when you look at the last election, we have to separate Trump, the man from the movement. A lot of people who voted for Donald Trump were anti-establishment people. That's what we got to recognize. And Trump did a historic duty by using the platform to attack the Republicans and Democrats in the media. You know, he's sort of in the swamp right now. It's hard to figure out what's exactly going on. But he's already done a historic duty. It's, it's our responsibility now to escalate this anti-establishment movement because things like GMOs, things like Monsanto are not going to go away through legislation. We need to build a movement just like civil rights, just like women's rights. We need to build a new movement that has to go right at the heart of the deep state. And by the way, the good news is for those of us in Massachusetts, the sewer, the epicenter of that is Harvard University. That's like the Death Star. Remember the Death Star? There's mm -hmm. that one point Luke Skywalker needs to hit and the whole thing blows up. Well, that's Harvard. Wow. That is some incredible info. One thing I want to ask you about, because it's a huge meme on the internet, is the soy factor. I personally, I always look at the ingredients to make sure there's no soy because the soy in this country has been completely messed up. 97% of the soy is genetically engineered. I don't know if you guys can bring up this, you know, if, if people have time, you can go to my educational research institution called 
integrativesystems.org. And, you know, look, most of the science in this country now is pay to play now. Okay. It's really, really bad. Uh, you say, you know, Cornell University has a number one agricultural school in the United States. Even if you're a Nobel Prize scientist, Alan, you say anything against GMOs or Monsanto, you're dead. Your career's over. Isn't it fascinating how no scientist at MIT or Harvard said anything against genetically engineered foods? So um, what's important is about in 2014, on the front page of MIT Technology Review, which is uh, asserted to be the number one technology magazine, I was on the front page in 2000 for a company called EchoMail. So, you know, it gets you a lot of uh, breadth of play. But on the front page of that, in 2014, they put an interesting front page article which said, buy fresh, buy GMOs. Think about that. This is MIT writing an advertisement for the entire genetically engineered food market. And you read the article and it's a neo-missionary article saying how the darkies in Africa and India need GMOs because they're going to suffer so much without enough food. Well, what we really done is we devastated their food. We devastated their, their supply chain by destroying the soil through poison and herbicides. So as you read this article, um, I said, let's apply Cytosol, my very powerful technology out of MIT to understand what's going on. What we discovered, Alan, is that genetically engineered soy is not equivalent to organic soy. That assertion is how Monsanto got out their Roundup Ready soy out to the marketplace. And what we found out was a genetically engineered version of the soy, um, our mathematical prediction predicted that it would have nearly 250% less glutathione, glutathione, G-L-U-T-H-I-O-N-E. Type it in on Google if you're listening, glutathione, G-L-U-T-A-T-H-I-O-N-E. It's called the master antioxidant. You know, uh, you can eat foods, you know, whey, for example, raw milk has high levels of glutathione, for example. It's the antioxidant. It what's cleans up our cells. It's like the detergent. Well, genetically engineered soy, our models predict that at 250%, we publish a series of four papers. A, uh, a, a dirt bag scientist, I call him a dirt bag, Kevin Folta, who claimed he had no relationship with Monsanto. Uh, it was later shown through a series of emails that he was getting paid off by Monsanto attacks me. Um, so we, he said, oh, this is just a mathematical model. It doesn't mean reality. Well, anyway, we were fortunate to find a paper written in London by a group of scientists who actually grew the soy plant, Alan, in a greenhouse, and they got the same results. But we know why it's taking place. So genetically engineered soy in this country basically is inferior to the organic soy, but 97% is genetically engineered soy. And so it gets even more interesting. So if you think about it, if the soy plant has less glutathione levels, what do you think that means? It's like a big bodybuilder on steroids. He may look big, right? Yeah. But he's sort of weak. His tendons can break, for example, right? <laughs> yeah. So with genetically engineered soy, they've created the soy plant, which can withstand Monsanto's own herbicide but it's weak because it has less glutathione. So you know what they've done? Around every genetically engineered soy seed, they coat it with a substance called neonicotinoids. Um, neonicotinoids are like a nerve agent. And the reason they did that is because when they plant the soy, the, soy or, the, the soil organisms are destroying that seed. Same well, stuff that's in cigarettes? As in nicotine? Same stuff? Well, yeah, it's, it's like that. It's, a, it's, it's like that, but neonicotinoids go through the entire plant. Whoa. So, and that's what the bees are eating, which is dysfunctioning bees. So what you, you see what I'm saying? This is a systems issue. 
Oh, so think about the life cycle of the system. Here's Monsanto. They, first of all, destroyed the small farmer. They made everyone become industrialized big farmers. So now you're growing big plots of soy. So then they sold people the, their herbicide called Roundup or technical name glyphosate. So these big farmers have to buy tons and tons of glyphosate, which they deliver by air, same way that they delivered Agent Orange, which is now killing the weeds. Well, they find out a few years later, wait a minute, it's also killing some of the soy. So Monsanto goes, you know what? We will take this bacteria and we'll do genetic engineering of the soy and we'll create a new type of soy plant called Roundup Ready Soy. So this soy will withstand our own herbicide. How crazy is this? Then they force every farmer to buy license, not buy, license it. Okay. So every year they have to re-up the license. And if you use the soy seed from the previous year, you could get jail time. You could get thrown in jail. You could get lawsuits. All right. So that's, and then, so now they've screwed up the soil with the herbicide. Then they've had to modify the soy. And now the soy plant that they've created is frankly weaker. So then they coat it with neonicotinoids. This is a systems problem. And nearly every major politician supports Monsanto. They all get paid. Elizabeth Warren voted, uh, you know, to protect them. So this is what we're living at a point now in human history. We can't trust the political system anymore. The establishment cannot be trusted. We need everyday people like myself, you and others to get involved. And that's why I'm running as an independent. Winning as an independent is going to, I'm telling you, it's going to be another revolution. It's going to send a wave across this country because people say, look what happened in Massachusetts. I'm going to do that. And that's what we need. Absolutely. This election is probably one of the most historic elections. And I'm saying with all humility for this country, because we have to win in Massachusetts. And it's and in many ways, it's interesting that the real Indian, fake Indian um, analogies coming up, because if you look at it, remember, the Indians are the ones who help the pilgrims. Remember that? Yeah, we the Indians taught the pilgrims how to farm, you know, indigenous technology. Well, that's what we need right now. And that's why only a real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. And I mean that very seriously, mm-hmm. because none of these Republican guys, one guy is out there photoshopping a picture with Trump. The other guy is a Harvard lawyer, you know, out of law school, and the other woman ran the lottery. Come on. Yeah. Is this what we deserve? Right. The thing I always think of, and we can pull up uh, the new shirt she was coming out with soon on his Twitter, is the fact that your resume compared to her resume, it's not really comparable. Like, I don't really have anything against this lady. Warren, she's just kind of a goofy lady. <laughs> you know what I mean? She should, uh, like, retire or something. You know what I mean? She's, but like, Shiva's resume compared to her, it's just not comparable. So he's coming out with this new shirt uh, that kind of compares their resumes. You know, only a real Indian can defeat a fake Indian. Dr. Shiva, you know, four degrees from MIT, inventor of email, compared to Elizabeth Warren, kind of a silly goose. And then we got this cool shirt. So I just wanted to show everybody that because that's what I always think about in the fact that we need to get this narrative out there. The people that are watching the show right now, you need to get this narrative out there because this is absolutely incredible. And we do have an opportunity because here's the thing. If people know about Dr. Shiva and they know his resume compared to Warren, there's really no comparison. And the fact that these quote unquote liberals, they're supporting soy. You guys heard it here first. They are supporting soy a thousand percent. Like, like they're passing acts in order to protect soy, uh, to make you less, masculine that's what the soy is that's the effect soy is having on people 
right? Well, the, the big, the big the thing GMO with soy, soy. is look, it's, it's fed to a lot of animals. Okay. Okay. And then we eat that food. It starts with the supply chain. Soy, um, you know, in traditional Japanese culture, it was always organic and it was fermented. Most seeds and most uh, grains, this is traditional cultures would always sprout things. We're never supposed to eat any of these things raw because it's separate from this. I mean, this goes back to the issue that we're, we don't even train people how to cook anymore, Alan. Okay. A lot of girls don't know how to cook in our generation. Well, man, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the culture is completely being devastated. Mm -hmm. People don't know that, you know, when you make grains, you're supposed to soak them, sprout them. I mean, I learned this as a young kid. These are traditional ancient technologies that are being tossed out the window. So people are getting all sorts of diseases, and it's not because the food is bad. In nature, actually, all foods in some ways are poisonous. We have to use your mind and learn how to poison them. Now, what's happened with soy is that, you've completely destroyed it with this genetic engineering. It has glyphosate in it, which is a pesticide. And Monsanto's glyphosate, Roundup, just to give you the latest paper that came out in Nature, uh, ultra low levels, not low levels, ultra low levels of Monsanto's glyphosate cause fatty liver disease. So if you take your liver, imagine it with a wall of fat around it. When you get fatty liver disease, that's the onset of diabetes and all those uh, metabolic syndrome diseases. That is what glyphosate causes. They found glyphosate in one part per billion also in women's tampons, because remember glyphosate's used in cotton. So these guys are criminal. And by the way, Bayer and Monsanto just merged recently and the European Commission allowed that merger. We need to stop that merger when it comes to the United States. Bayer is a children's aspirin company. Monsanto was getting hit so hard now they try to, they're trying to redo their brand by saying, you know, we're part of a children's aspirin company. That's, so wow. what I'm trying to, I think what people need to understand, Alan, these people are extremely bright. They are snakes. You, you know, you have to understand that from a system standpoint that Republican and Democrat institutions, they are both corrupt. And, we, and, and the founders never wanted the parties. They never wanted career politicians. You know, these people are brilliant people. Now we have a bunch of idiots. We're going from geniuses to idiots. You know, these people never wanted to serve in government forever. They never thought of that, of that as a career. I mean, Washington was a surveyor. He was a farmer. He was so happy to go back to his farm. Same with uh, Jefferson and Franklin. So these guys had skills. So I believe we need to start, you know, I sent Elizabeth Warren a DNA test. Yeah. I think we need to send all these politicians a, a test. Mm -hmm. Can they solve math problems? Can they fix things? What are their skills? Do they have any skills? Are they qualified? Mm -hmm. yeah, this is incredible. April 16th, Patriots Day, right? That's when it is, April 16th. So you're going to be literally going to Lexington and Concord um, on a historic battleground. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I, we're going to be hosting a, an awesome event. Our bus will be there. You know, as, as everyone knows, uh, Lexington was when the first shot was fired. Um, and it's a historic moment because... You know, the our uh, uh, election here is really like a new shot being fired. We want to create a new revolution. So we're going to, uh, first of all, pay homage to those people who fought in Lexington, who did have the courage to fire that shot. I mean, when you think about America, Alan, you know, you're talking about people at incredible courage. Think about that. Like the immigrants, the legal immigrants, like my parents, it is a country of courage. That is what this country is about. It's not a country of wusses. You know, uh, you may know we went to this 
you know, we every everywhere we go, Alan, we have to fight to get in. We have to fight to get into the St. Patrick's Day Parade. We went to this thing called the NOFA, New England uh, Farmers Association. We paid for our booth. They try to kick us out there. We fought. The police supported us. You know, they're the racist. So everywhere we go, we have to fight. Let no one think that people are going to give you anything. The, the This country is built on people fighting for righteous things. And we need to fight again because... Let me tell you in a simple way, you know, this, you know, the system that we have now is like a machine that's rusted, decayed, decrepit. It's, there's no way to fix it. You can't fix the current system. And the only way it's going to change is from everyday people coming together and going independent because that's the power of you and I. It's not going to happen through any one of these machineries. It's completely so corrupt at this point. A couple of people have told me, you know, they hope Trump, when he runs, goes independent, you know, you know, in 2020. The issue is he threatened them. Right. But the reality is whether he does it or not, we as a people need to go independent. We need to start fighting. We need to learn the tools of fighting. So I hope everyone comes to my Sunday 2 p.m. session because people are not being taught this anywhere. Yeah. So how can people help out in closing? How can people help out? How can people volunteer? Because uh, people want to see you win. That's a fact. If they know about you, they'll want you to win. I know that for sure. So what's the best way people can volunteer and help out? Look, there's two ways people can help. And I'm holding up this V here. If you see it, V means visibility leads to votes, leads to victory. Okay. Visibility votes victory. Well, one way we get visibility is if whatever money you want to give us, five, 10 bucks, 2,700 bucks, whatever you want to give, go to shivaforsenate.com, S-H-I-V-A, number sign four, donate whatever you can. That's one way because we will use that money. And by the way, we don't have political consultants. We're not paying off middlemen. Every penny we put right into whatever we're doing. And by the way, you have to understand I'm still a frugal <laughs> entrepreneur. I don't like to waste money. The second way is you can volunteer. We want to build an array of volunteers across this country. Every Sunday at two, you're welcome to come to our office. You will get a bumper sticker. Alan, just show you the t-shirt. You'll get a t-shirt. You'll get flyers. And we are going to, we have a very simple volunteer program, but you put that bumper sticker on your car. You wear that shirt proudly because that is what is about starting the next American revolution in this country. And we go and win here in Massachusetts. So volunteer or, or support us with whatever money you want to give us. Those are the two ways, Alan. There's a form on our page. You can click volunteer. You can also go give us money. The most important thing right now is anyone who's out there, uh, we're collecting signatures to get on the ballot. And that's what we need to do, number one. Um, anyone who wants to help out can right away help us out on that. All right. Absolutely. Absolutely fantastic historical interview. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure having you, and I'd like to talk to you again very soon. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for everything you're doing, and keep up the great work. All right. That was Dr. Shiva for Senate looking toward victory in 2018. That was absolutely awesome. You guys got to share this everywhere. Everybody in the chat right now, you appreciate how awesome and historical that interview was. Get it everywhere. Get it on poll. Get it on your Facebook. Get it on your uh, Twitter. Get it on your Gab. Personally, email it to friends because uh, why not? You got to get this out there. This is outstanding. And, you know, whether you're right or left, I'm Al Right, as you guys all know. I represent the Al Right. 
Uh, but whether you right, left, whoever, the whole Monsanto poisoning our food thing, totally not cool. So this is the guy to take on Monsanto and at least get people healthy again at the bare minimum. Because I don't know about you guys. I go out in public and I see people who are poisoned. I see... Tell me I'm wrong, voice of reason. I'm right, you know? I see people who are poisoned and people need to get their... To get their minds healthy, they got to get their... Body and soul healthy. You know what I mean? So that's what we're about on the Al Right. That's what we're about on America's number one Chadcast. This is Call Me Al. We'll see you later this week.